what are we talking about today, Lisa? Well, I am so excited today to talk with Nitty about trying to um, let go of your fears and to take off the mask and, and be your real self. So Nitty, can you talk a little bit about um, who you are and um, why this is a topic you're, you're passionate about? I am a lawyer, as I've said before, and I've been practicing for around about 18, nearly 19 years now. So I started in private practice and then I moved in-house about nine years ago. And this topic is something I'm really passionate about because I think it's something that a lot of lawyers face. Um, we grow up, I think, as high achievers, really having this deep-rooted sense of, you know, fearing failure and needing to get perfect marks, needing to do everything perfectly. You know, I remember back in school coming home sometimes with um, marks from, you know, exams or tests and saying to my dad, oh, I got 98% and being really excited. My dad turning around to me and saying, that's really great, but where's the extra 2% or how did other people do? And I think this is the sort of attitude that I think we we really face as, as legal as students and then as legal students and then in the legal profession. And I think over time it just gets worse. So where in your career, so if, if you started at um, in law practice, what when did you feel like there was a shift from being afraid to not being afraid of making mistakes or, or are you still worried about making mistakes? I think to some extent, I think I will always have a little bit of that worry. But I think over the years, particularly as I moved in-house, it's become somewhat easier to step up and say, do you know what? I don't need to get things perfectly right. I can make mistakes. I can acknowledge my mistakes. You know, it's it's okay. And I think you only learn that um, generally a little bit later, I think, in your career is my experience. I mean, I'm hoping that perhaps, you know, the younger generation starts to learn it earlier. I mean, we are now and have been for a little bit talking a lot more about the dangers of perfectionism and the importance of embracing failure. But I think talking about embracing failure and actually doing it are two very different things. So with with respect to um, your current position, do you feel like you were able to let go of the need to be um, perfect because um, of going in-house or do you think it's more the result of, of age and maturity? I think it's a mix of both. Look, I think when I first joined in-house practice, I don't think um, I was any different to how I was in private practice. I still had this deep-rooted fear of failing and uh, needing to be, you know, perfect, need needing my work to be perfect as well. Over time, I think the perfectionism element, I think, was the first thing to drop because you do realise, I think, being in-house, that you can't spend um, 10 hours perfecting a piece of work you know it's almost like there's a there's a curve and at some point in time perfectionism actually reduces the effectiveness of your work because in perfecting one thing you're perhaps leaving another five things to the side that you could be getting onto instead and that additional incremental bit of perfectionism is it really going to materially improve your work product? So I think the in-house 
job re- definitely taught me how to get over perfectionism. I think the fear of failure and that being vulnerable aspect took me a lot longer to uh, to acquire. Um, I, you know, I sometimes wonder if this is uniquely legal phenomenon. <laughs> uh, is it just us? Or is it like ever? Is it like human? Or is it or is it lawyer? Any thoughts? And 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 that, that question actually to both of you, Lisa and Nidhi, I'm just kind of curious. Um, you know, we both have such diverse experiences. Uh, so I'm curious if this is like human and equal opportunity, or is it somehow mm. not so equal opportunity? I think it's not uniquely a legal profession issue. I think it's. Um, heightened in professions like ours and other professions which are full of high achievers simply because of the way that we have, I guess, been brought up and the way we've lived our life until until then. So I think it's it's heightened in the legal profession, but I don't think it's an issue that's unique to the legal profession. I think, you know, even if you look at um, the agile uh, landscape and this whole idea that you need to embrace failure and you know, you you have MVPs and you you basically keep pivoting, etc. It's not a concept that is easy for people to necessarily grasp or get used to because it is so foreign to us. So that's my view. I don't know, Lisa, what you think. Yeah, and you know what I was thinking. Um, so I have not. I've always been, I guess, tangentially in the legal field, um, but I do think that it is something that crosses um, professions, but I, I really think to some extent it's heightened and it's not only with people who are, um, you know, type A personalities in the legal profession, but I also think that no matter what area you go in, as you rise in the ranks and you become more and more responsible, you have more and more pressure on yourself to succeed and to um to deliver. So to some extent, I think it is across professions and I think it only gets heightened as you move up in your career and as you get more and more responsibility. I think it is somewhat equal opportunity. I do there is this thing that there is a self-selection going on for those of us who sort of extra perfect <laughs> striving. <laughs> um, that uh, we tend to end up in law school a little bit more often. <laughs> yeah. I, I do wonder, though, um, Nitty, when you are in private practice, do you think that the need to, to be perfect was something that you placed on yourself or did you feel pressure from those people for whom you worked to be perfect? I think it was a lot of the latter, to be honest. I mean, there was definitely some of, you know, the self-imposed pressure as well. I think that definitely is there when you've grown up with it your whole life. But I think in law firms, like I think the one thing I do remember from early days is the fact that every email needed to be checked. And sometimes you'd give an email to a partner and they would change one word and you would look at it and go, what was the point right. of this change? Because it's, it's not really, <laughs> it's not amended any, like yeah. it's, it's substantially done nothing to the email. But, you know, you had this like, Everyone had, like, partners really, you know, wanted to look at every single thing. And the fact that you couldn't even send an email out without someone looking over your shoulder at it, to me, that element of control, as you put it, Olga, I think is almost what drives more and more and more this 
belief that you need to be perfect in your work product. Every I needs to be dotted. Every T needs to be crossed. You can't have a typo. God, you know, if you have a typo in your work, you know, it's the end of the world. That's kind of the way I think, you know, private practice generally, at least when I was going through it, you 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 were taught to work. Yeah, and I really do. I, I think the reason I love in-house as much as I do is because I don't have that managing partner or that supervising attorney that is scrutinizing things to that level. And what's funny is now that I'm in in-house, um, they want you to produce. They want you to produce quicker. And I I get the sense more that they're impatient with that desire to be perfect and they just want to move on and go forward. So I've actually... Um, had to fight with myself to not take as much time in working on a project because I've got, you know, my internal clients that want product moved quicker. It is different. And I think it can be a real struggle with self sometimes because you, you, people are impatient. The business is impatient. They want their responses and they wanted it yesterday. So, you know, you need to learn, I think, to almost I think just work out where the risk possibly lies and where your time is best spent. And if your time is best spent on two things versus 10 things, then you you focus in on those two things. And if those, you know, eight or 10 other things are not perfect, then you let them be because you need to get the work done and you need to keep moving fast. I completely agree with you, Lisa. I think it's just very different. And, you know, the one thing um, I'd like to shift a little bit here because we're sitting here and we're talking about being perfect in the workplace. But, you know, Nitty, I can't think of you without thinking of perfectionism in your personal life. Did you find it difficult to to lay yourself out there bare like you do um, every day? Yeah, I did. I did very much so. I mean, I... um, will quite openly now share that I never used to share anything at all um, to the point where I think early on in my relationship with my now husband, he actually said to me, can you please open up more because I'm tired of asking you how you feel all the time. So that was me and that was me in my personal life and in my professional life. So I very much put on this mask and this persona and I went to work with this persona and I tried to leave my personal life at home. And it was only really, I think, a few years ago when I did suffer from some pregnancy losses and the resulting mental health issues that went along with them and that I finally broke down that I realised, do you know what, there's so much power in talking about the stuff that isn't perfect in your life and actually by talking about it, you help yourself heal. And for me, it was a real turning point because until that point in time, you know, it was just all buried within. And that was not just, you know, workplace stuff, but it was also all my personal stuff, all, all the things that potentially had impacted me as I grew up were all hidden and buried deep within. And it really took that moment for me to go, okay, it's it's okay, I can share I've been forced to share in this moment, but I can share and actually sharing is helping me. And perhaps then by sharing, helping me over time, I think I got to a point of saying my sharing can potentially help other people. And so that's where my journey on LinkedIn began. And I think even a year and a half ago, there's no way I would have talked about half the things I talk about now, but 
you know, I think you learn and you grow as you keep going. I know as watching you post um, over the last year and a half, I've re- I've seen an incredible amount of, of development um, in, in your posts. And I, I think that's what one of the wonderful things um, about you. Do you have anybody in your personal life um, or at work seeing it and kind of um, questioning you um, in terms of why you're willing to let yourself be out there like that? Look, I think people will always question it. I don't know that anyone's come straight out and questioned me directly, but I'm sure there are people out there who go, what are you doing and why are you sharing all this stuff so publicly? And this is, a, you know, as people say quite often, a, a professional platform and, you know, you can't be sharing personal stuff on LinkedIn and with the world. But I don't know. I actually find a lot of comfort in sharing on LinkedIn. I find it somehow incredibly, it feels incredibly safe to share. Yes, you get trolls and all the rest of it, but it's still, I don't know, for some reason it still feels fairly safe. And I just, I love the fact that when I share things, I sometimes get messages back from people and they may not be public comments. They may be private DMs saying, you know, thank you so much for sharing what you shared. This is my story. And then they'll share back with me their story. And sometimes, and I've seen this in recent, in the recent few weeks, even people will say, you know, I read your post and I have felt that, you know, I can now share myself. And they've gone on to share their own personal story. It might not be on social media, it might be with friends or family or whoever, but that to me is the beauty of being able to share vulnerably. It's that you give other people permission and space to be vulnerable as well. Yeah. And I know that one of the things I've seen you talk a lot about, um, you seem to be passionate about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And um, I've seen a lot of conversations um, that have um, started um, as a result of, of some of your posts. Um, you know, is, is, is there some intentionality to those posts or are you trying to reach out and um, try to maybe, I don't know, change people's minds or to try and be more open about the conversation in order for maybe the work environment to change? I think it's a mix of those things. So I think firstly, it's important for me, I believe, to talk about these things because I am very passionate about them. And, I, you know, not just at the workplace, you know, in, in, in parenting situations as well, you know, I believe it's important to talk to my children about these issues. And, it, you know, I, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily aiming at changing people's minds because, you know, people have their opinions and they're not going to change them. And I saw this a few days ago, a couple of days ago, when I posted something uh, about the use of personal pronouns. And, you know, people, uh, the trolls came out to play and, um, and there was no changing anyone's minds and you're not going to change someone's mind. But what you can perhaps do, I think, is bring awareness to the issues that people do face. So, for example, when I talk about um, things to do with colour and colour of your skin and how that might impact a person or how lack of representation might impact that person or, you know, and how it's impacted me in the past, not seeing myself represented in TV or entertainment or in whatever it is. You know, that for me is about bringing awareness to the issue and it's about helping other people understand 
what someone else's perspective looks like. And I think that's half the journey with diversity, equity and inclusion work is for people to listen and for people to appreciate another person's perspective. Problem solving and all the rest of that, that comes afterwards. First, you have to understand where people are at. Yeah, I think you do a really good job with that. And um, I have read some of um, your posts and some of the exchanges that you've had with with people. And and I do see, um, I mean, it, it's, it's gotten me to think. Um, and it, 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 I look at it more of like education and not necessarily, I mean, like, I, I think you're right. You don't change people's minds, but if you share a perspective with other people, um, the one thing I like about LinkedIn is there are people who are willing to self-examine mm-hmm. their own beliefs after hearing your perspective and then um, maybe shift um, because they hadn't considered the issue from your perspective before. And I think that 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 is wonderful. And I do think that that is a benefit of what I see you doing. A hundred percent. I think that's right. I mean, I I do think it's about those people who perhaps don't have vehement views, you know, to an extreme. And, and, And if you can reach those people and help them see things a little bit differently, then I think that's fantastic. And likewise, you know, I would say I don't know every aspect of diversity, equity and inclusion. You know, I've had people who have written posts, for example, on neurodiversity. And for me, neurodiversity is something I'm still learning about and I'm still, you know, scraping the surface of what that means for people and what that looks like for people. And so for me, equally, it's important for me when I read other people's uh, stories to try and understand where they're where they're coming from and what their perspective looks like and and that sometimes you know is amazing because it informs it informs me it educates me as well yeah absolutely i've 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 had the same experience you know olga mentioned the fact that you know you're in australia she and i are both in the united states but we are in very different um parts of the world um so with with the people that you've engaged with on linkedin um do you have a a specific uh geographic location um or do you find yourself um engaging with lots of people from all over the world Really all over the world, I think, you know, I don't think um, it's been limited to any geography at all. Uh, I actually think it's fantastic that you can connect with people from all over the world because some issues are not that different in different places of the world and other issues are very different in different places of the world. And I think you, you gain a lot of perspective from hearing what people have to say regardless of where they're based. Now, obviously, being in Melbourne, you know, it's great when I connect with people from Melbourne because now that we're coming out of lockdown, hopefully I can actually meet these people. Um, And I have met a few people here and there that I've met on LinkedIn over the last year and a bit. But, you know, but I think it's, I think the global aspect of the platform is, is fantastic. I'm curious. This is, this is really interesting and kind of observation. Um, The gift of COVID is, of course, all those, global um, conversation um, and finding how much in common and we have, um, you know, um, and this conversation uh, focusing, moving from perfectionism to sort of let it go. Um, and what I find is that letting go means different things to different people. Uh, what does let go, I guess, actually mean to, to both of you? Um, 
Yeah. Lisa, do you want to go first? No, I was going to say I'm more interested. There's times when you, you have <laughs> bared your soul and I sit there and go, Ooh, I don't know that I could say that. And I'm, I'm in awe in, 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 in how much you share. Yeah, I don't know. Letting go for me means, I don't know, it, it can be different for different people. I think through COVID, I think one of the things that has been brilliant has been the letting go of the persona that we wear to work. And so I think having this window into people's lives even and seeing them be more open and upfront about their family or what's going on in their personal life, I think that's an element of letting go. And I think that's something we've really seen. And it'll be interesting to see, I think, particularly given some of what's happening in the States with, you know, law firms being told that they need to have their staff back at the office and things like that. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out and whether people go back into their professional box or whether this you know, this letting go that we've experienced over this year and a half continues through that. And I don't know what your perspectives are on that being in the States. You know, are you seeing that things are going back to the way they used to be or are people have people fundamentally changed? I don't know about you, Olga, but it, it, it really feels it, it, that. So that's a tough question. I think it depends on what you're looking at, um, you know, from what I've seen. Um, it felt like people were giving lip service to change during the um, pandemic and, and during lockdown. But I do feel like there are some people more, I think, in private practice than in-house that I've seen that seem to be um, kind of walk trying to walk it back right now. Um, and I think that the more they try and walk it back, um, the more we're going to see people leaving jobs because um, we figured out that there is a way to do law differently. And um, it feels like there are some people who have been used to doing it in, in a certain way in the past, and they are eagerly trying to recapture what was before we went into the pandemic. Yeah, I, I mean, the reason I ask what it let it go means to you, because, you know, as, 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 a, as a CEO, I live in this wonderful bubble, you know, at least to some extent, right? Um, you know, there is a benefit of, of, of being one is that you can kind of set rules, right? And, um, uh, you know, and, and so, in, you know, I, I have, you know, in, in, in my company, I show up publicly and talk about things, and that's kind of the norm, you know, we sort of created this bubble where I am. Um, I see people like Niri, you know, show up fully, um, and other people show up fully the way they like show up fully, and other people not show up fully at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, sometimes it's a personal choice, and sometimes it's a choice imposed by others. Uh, so it's it's a little hard to judge from from my bubble. So I, and I think it's showing up fully means different things to different people. Not everyone likes to reveal everything or even many things or even some things about themselves. So it may mean different things to different people. I think it's, it's, I, I, I think at the end it comes down to a choice. Are you free to choose? Right. I think there, I don't think there is a right or wrong way to do it. It is that are you showing up the way you want to show up? Whatever that means to you, authentically, not authentically, partially, fully, <laughs> you know, can you do that if you choose? Do you have a will? 
you know, to do that. You have an ability without suffering the consequences. Um, and that I'm not convinced people have that freedom. I don't think that everyone has that freedom. And I do think, you know, it's, it's about judgment too. And so I think the difference between what um, Nitty does on LinkedIn, for example, and how she shows up versus the way I show up, I do feel like I'm authentically me, but I will be honest, there are subjects that I specifically avoid talking about or I won't engage in posts that um, are on certain subjects that I know are controversial because I'm not comfortable being controversial in public. So, you know, I think for me showing up is, um, and where I draw the line is, um, I, I really avoid too much controversy. And because it is a professional platform, I also do keep in the back of my mind that people do know where I work. And I do feel to some extent like I have to be careful because I don't want to um, shine a negative light on my employer because my employer, whether I like it or not, is connected to me on this platform. Hmm. It's a good point. And I think, you know, yeah, no, no, you go. I was, I was going to ask you, you know, uh, you know, you work for a sizable company. Um, <laughs> so um, have you thought about it? You must have thought about it. Um, I don't know if you had it yeah. internally, but you must have thought about it at least, right? Oh, yeah. And look, and I think occasionally there is noise and I hear noise about, you know, why is she so active on LinkedIn and what is she doing and what is this all about? And and so on and so forth. I mean, for me, I think, you know, letting go and vulnerability doesn't need to be about what you do on a social media platform. I think it's far more important in some ways that you're doing it in your day-to-day -day life. So, you know, the ability, I think, in workplaces to be able to stand up and say, I made a mistake and I got this wrong and I'm not perfect and I will get things wrong. And so, you know, that for me is far more important in some ways than whether or not you show up on social media because whether or not you show up on social media is, is slightly different. I mean, that's about building your personal brand. It's about um, the work that perhaps you do outside of the platform as well. So for me, talking about pregnancy loss has led me down a path of, actually becoming very active in this space and working with organizations in this space. Similarly, in the diversity space, I now work with some organizations outside of, you know, work and outside of everything else and help them on a pro bono basis from time to time. So, you know, for me, it's, it's what are you actually doing in your workplace? How are you showing up? So through the pandemic, are you you know, because people have been suffering so much, are you able to stand up and talk about how you're feeling yourself and how you have experienced the pandemic? And to me, I think those are the things that we need more of in the legal profession because I think if you can do that, then the people who you're leading will feel that sense of trust and psychological safety in being able to share where they are themselves. And that doesn't mean, you know, I'm going through a divorce. That doesn't mean I'm going through depression. It doesn't mean any of those things. It might be as simple as being able to say, I'm not okay today and, you know, there's some stuff going on. I need to take some time out. 
you know so i think i think for me that's that that's i think for letting go for me is more about that that part of it how much you let go is a personal choice I love that. And that's such a great point because it's not just about like on social media talking about it, but it is about, um, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk at work. So, you know, I think talking about making mistakes when you're a leader in the workplace, I think that it really helps when there are more junior people on your team and they see that if you as the leader are willing to admit when you're wrong and when a mistake has been had, it makes it a lot easier for them to be able to come forward and say, you know what, I made a mistake. And I also think that um, when you so show vulnerabilities and strengths and weaknesses, um, it, it, it brings teams together um, because, um, you know, it's not the leader shouldering the full burden, the full responsibility on their shoulders. No one person can do that. And by the leader showing some vulnerability and, and the you know, sometimes making a mistake, I think they're modeling what needs to happen and uh, for their team members. And it, it's almost like it's giving permission to the other people on your team to be able to um, be vulnerable, make mistakes, and sometimes not always be perfect. I do find though that, um, and because I've, I've, you know, I've been showing up in, in LinkedIn and various other platforms, you know, for over a decade now, um, and had conversations with many lawyers about uh, them showing up. I do think, you know, I think a big chunk of it is sort of, you know, showing leading by example. But I, I also find that more than other uh, parts of the population, there is sort of overthinking about what it what it means to like, you know, you know, for example, there is certain, I did certain columns and then I stop and people would say, why are you not doing it anymore? And I was, I would say, I didn't know you were my reader. You never <laughs> liked, you never commented. Heck, you never even wrote, written me a private, you know, message. I had no, I thank you for reading, but you know, for, for now a couple of years, I never knew. Thank you for letting me know. I, I thought I have no readers. Um, and, you know, it was explained to me more than once that, you know, some people think when they like, they endorse. Um, yes. And, right. and, 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 I, and I, I, you know, I, you know, I kind of like do the same as if I understand, but I don't. I actually, I, I don't understand how an act of liking or commenting means you endorse. Um, I, I really struggle. I think we see a little bit less of that. No, I, I am really thrilled that I even able to see in-house lawyers. <laughs> in-house lawyers before were completely absent from social media. Um, now there's a few brave souls. Yay! High five to all. Yay! <laughs> all, all brave yeah. souls out there. <laughs> high five! You have yeah. my support. <laughs> but you know, but there is this thing of. If I do anything, it means I, I, I endorse, and which is a very strong statement of agreement. So any thoughts about that? Yeah, oh, I absolutely it's, see that. You go, Lisa. Yeah, I was going to say, I absolutely see that. Um, you know, and they, you, you look at all the statistics they have about LinkedIn and how only 1% of those people on the platform and who are viewing the content actually create content. There's a lot of people, lurkers, people who watch and don't engage. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I actually, it was interesting. I had um, someone who wasn't actually a lawyer, but working in a, I think in a professional services capacity as well, um, ages ago. And he, um, 
would, instead of liking or commenting on my posts, if he saw something he liked, he would send me a message responding to my post in a message. And I found it really strange. I was like, why are you messaging me? You could just comment on my post. And he said, oh, no, 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 but, you know, I, I can't do that because it's a professional platform and I can't comment. But I am really interested by what you have to say and here are my thoughts and let me share now. And I was like, this, it's, it's strange. I'm not talking about, you know, things that are really controversial in, you know, from a workplace context, you know, or things that are going to then damage your reputation. Um, but people do have this. I think reluctance to uh, to comment and to uh, get involved in the content on LinkedIn, and I think there is this barrier where people worry a lot about what other people will think. And I think this is very common in the legal profession. I think it is also there in many other professions as well. I'm glad that it's starting to change, but um, no, I mean, like if I ask slow. sometimes people for like recommendations or resources, I, you know, get a lot of comments, but I also get a lot of, hey, Olga, check this out, check that. And it's like nothing, it's like available in public, nothing, uh, you know, un totally unusual, right? Just a great resource. And I'm like, why, why didn't you post any comment? Everyone else could benefit. After all, I actually kind of asked publicly for the benefits of everyone. And I, you know, I get this kind of range of responses. You know, it means I endorse. I'm like, well, I, I ask the question. So you endorse me asking a question. Great. That's a very neutral thing to endorse if you have to endorse anything. <laughs> or, um, you know, sometimes it's possible I've written it so I feel uncomfortable to self-promote. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, did you think it would be helpful for anyone? It's not self-promotion if it's not useful. It is useful. So you wrote it for that reason. So it's really interesting how, um, you know, sometimes social media actually does bring up sort of the baggage or preconceived notions that we have we show up with all of that yeah and self-promotion is a big one right and i think it's a big issue for um a lot of people um particularly women i think and women in the legal profession i think suffer from this but you know i think there is this real fear that you know if i put myself out there in this way i'm kind of talking myself up or you know, whatever else, but, and, and it plays out in real life as well. You know, people then don't self-promote in real life either. And um, none of that helps a person, you know, and this is what I, I think, you know, it, people, people get this wrong. There are ways to show up in social media, in workplaces and to promote yourself without coming across as arrogant or, you know, trying to step on other people's toes or all of those sort of things. I think you can definitely do it. And I think it's just the how that people sometimes I think don't know. So I guess, uh, you know, to follow on this line of, um, of, of self-promotion. Um, so when you post um, and you want to share something um, that is, you know, uh, good news, um, how were you able, um, Nitty, to get over the feeling that somehow it would be perceived as uh, as being self-promotion and there would be people out there that would somehow think you shouldn't be doing that? I think it's about the language that you use. I think you can be humble in the way that you uh, post things about your own professional achievements, right? So I post articles that I've written, um, I've been writing a bit for the Association of Corporate Counsel recently. 
So I post them as and when they get published, right? And But the way I do it is by anchoring it to a story or thinking about how can what I am posting help someone else? So what is the angle for the reader? So this is not just all about me saying, gay to me, I've written an article, read the article, it's fantastic. But here's the content, here's how this can help you. And I think it's the same when you talk about your professional accolades, right? It's what's in it for the reader. And I think if you think about it from that perspective, I think it changes the way you write your content. And I think you're right about that. And you do an excellent job at that. So it's it's more about, it's not about me. And it's about me giving you something that you can use. That's a great point. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa, what, what are your thoughts when you, you know, uh, share about Yeah, you know, I had to, I I had to really um, work at at that because um, I didn't want people to think that I was trying to, uh, I don't know, brag. Um, uh, But but I think, you know, honestly, I think I do the same thing that Nitty does. It's about trying to, I'm sharing this to help you um, to to not have to go through what I went through. So it's about giving. Mm-hmm. And when you frame it as giving, then I think somehow that is better. And I'm also I was thinking about, and I actually read an article about this, and I and I posted about it. So the um, this little girl um, is me campaign. Mm-hmm. I read an article um, from somebody who said the reason it was so successful was because women felt like they were not. Um, bragging about themselves, but they were giving something to others to help motivate and um, inspire others. So I think it goes right to your point, Nitty. And I think that, you know, there, there are studies that show that women feel most comfortable doing it in that way. I I get, you know, it's funny because I, I, uh, I went from framing to sort of even stop thinking about it. And I think for me, what helped is that, um, you know, I get a lot of private comments where people would say something along the line, I've been watching you do your thing and that has been inspiring. You actually sharing that journey and you doing this and that and, um, and you just, just doing it. Like that alone, (laughs) like no tips is unnecessary. Just you being you gives me permission for me to be me. Um, and, and, and I think, I think to me, that was very powerful. I think that's mm-hmm. what ultimately allowed me to stop sort of thinking, do I share about this? Is this like a humble brag? Is it, <laughs> is it me self-promoting? But, you know, there are sort of things that I do. Like there are, you know, I write two articles a week and that's just a fact, <laughs> you know, and me sharing about it. Is it self-promotion? Yeah, I guess. But it's also me, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. it's also true. You know, you know, I was a general counsel, right? And it, is it self-promotion? Maybe, but it's also true. It's a fact. <laughs> it's yeah. a wonderful fact. And, and yes, I'm proud of it. And yes, I celebrate it. And yeah, you know, but I, I think it's, you know, people seeing you go through stages of life, you know, and, 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 and with courage and sharing it inspires and gives them permission to do the same. And I think once I realized that, I, I, I think I stopped worrying about how I frame facts because facts are facts. They speak for themselves. They're true. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. And I think as you, as you do it more and more and more, I think you, 
you get more and more comfortable with it. You get better at it as well. So if I look back at things that I might have written, I don't know, three years, four years ago when I was on here very sporadically, it's very different to the way I write now because I've, I've worked out over time, okay, there's a way I can position this and this is how I can talk about this. And I, th- I think the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. Niri, Lisa, why don't you sort of maybe give one or two things that you want folks to think about as they kind of think about showing up fully, letting go, uh, being themselves and or social media. I know I just asked 500 questions all in one, no pressure at all. To do <laughs> Fantastic answer in less than a minute. So go. <laughs> Well, I'll go real quick, real quick, and then Nitty, you have all of the end. Um, so I would just say that um, the takeaway here is um, stop worrying about judgment. You know, you be you and um, do what makes you feel comfortable. No, I would say um, just, you know, in the workplace, just think about how you can show up in a way that allows others to show up as themselves. So, you know, what can you do to create that space that facilitates authenticity in other people and vulnerability in other people. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Niri. This was a wonderful discussion, dream come true. I love being in your company. And Lisa, thank you for co-hosting, you know, that, and that's another statement for leading this conversation. Niti, thank you for being a wonderful guest. I've learned so much from both of you. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, we are at the end of our show. Uh, I'm really grateful for this discussion. I I wanted to talk to both Nidhi and Lisa for a long, long time. Talking to both of them has has been sort of a dream come true, and I'm I'm really excited about it. Both of them have been recommended by by many of you to join the conversation. So I'm going to invite you to consider making nomination of other in-house lawyers who can join me on the show to share about their personal career and or social aspirations and work. Because as we know, in-house lawyers, as any lawyer and any human is well-rounded and, and do quite a lot of things. So definitely give, share your nominations and let me know. And if you want to be a co-host, now you know that is totally possible. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for joining. Have a good one. Bye, everyone. <laughs>